If you will, go ahead and take your Bible and turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Today is, today is Memorial Day. Actually, tomorrow's Memorial Day. This is Memorial Day weekend. A lot of our folks are out of town. But this is the day that we remember those who have given their lives, paid the ultimate cost. Let us never forget. Several things, and I'll bring to your attention one statement's on the screen from that clip. We set aside our differences to remember, to honor, and to thank those who have given everything so that we might be free. The truth is, is that You also saw on the screen that over a million people, over a million Americans, have died so that we could be free. You want to know how that breaks down? During the Civil War, over 600,000 soldiers died in that bloody war. In World War I, over 116,000 Americans. World War II, over 400,000 Americans. In Korea, 54,000 Americans. Vietnam, 58,000 Americans. Desert Storm, 148 Americans. The latest figures that I could retrieve from Iraq were at the end of 2019, and at that time there were over 7,000 American soldiers and 8,000 American contractors that have died in Iraq. Other conflicts and casualties go along with this. But I only bring this to you so that I can make this statement with some confidence. Freedom is never free. Freedom is never free. Someone at some time, in some place, in some way, bought the very freedom that you have. The civic freedom we have to assemble as a church is not known in every country. The ability to be free to come and go and do as we'd like is not known by everybody. And just so everybody is clear this morning, the going price for freedom, the going price to buy our freedom is this. It is innocent blood. Blood of those who are not guilty As we think about our freedom, both civically and spiritually, we forget sometimes. We tend to forget how good we have it. We've had it so good for so long, we think it's the norm, but it's the not. We've had had it so good for so long, we, we, we tend to forget that. We tend to forget what it took, what it cost to buy our freedom, both civically and spiritually. We tend to forget that with freedom, listen to this, young people, please. With freedom comes responsibility and duty to the point of being an obligation. My civics teacher taught me that my rights as an American only extend to where your rights begin. On this day, I'm calling us to let us never, never, never forget. If you found a Hebrews chapter 12, 
Would you stand to, if you can, would you stand to honor the reading of God's Word? We'll read a cut, two verses. You listen and follow along, for this is indeed God's holy Word. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let me pray for us. Father, for the next minutes, I pray that you will put our hearts in tune with your heart, that we will hear from you, that the words that that you won't heard will be the words that we hear. Father, I pray for that person who's never trusted you, never placed their faith in you, never embraced the grace that comes through Jesus. I pray that today will be a time of life change. I pray for those of us who have trusted I pray that today will be a day of life change as we come to renew our lives before you. Lord, help us to never forget. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The truth is is that from our text, from those two verses, there are some things that jumped out at me that I want us to help us this morning, some things that we should not forget. It's a way to live life. It's a way to move forward. It's a way to be what God has designed us to be. To not forget means that we're paying attention. Have you ever been talking to your child and you thought they weren't paying attention? Let me, let me reverse it. Kids, have you ever talked to your mom and dad and felt like they weren't paying attention? Don't say anything. You'll get in trouble, okay? The truth is, is that we need to pay attention. So let me just give you, it's in your, if you've got your bulletin there, you can open it up and write down these five things that, that I believe we're called to never forget. Number one, let us never forget to look backward. To look backward. Now people say, Brother Jerry, you want us to look backward? Well, you just hold your horses. That's where we begin. And it starts right here in the text. That, ver- that verse, that chapter begins with the word, Therefore, anytime in the Bible or anywhere else you see the word therefore, you need to find out what it is there for. Because it's tying up something else. And, and the truth is it says, therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Think critically with me just for a moment. How good would it be if the people who lead our nation, as long as, as, along with all of us who are citizens of this nation, looked back to the foundation of this nation and remember what our civic freedom has cost us? We have a, we have a friend, actually, the preacher who took the position that I left to come here. Walter and Melinda, they're what you call a gold star family. Their son, Justin, in his 20s, was killed in Iraq. You see, the, 
The truth is it will serve us well to remember that it was the blood of, of men and women just like here. And oh, by the way, Jackson, you're 18, aren't you? 17? 18 for long? Hopefully. If you act right, you'll get to live to 18. You realize that on D-Day, that who charged the beach of Normandy were the 18, 19, 20-year-olds. They're the ones that shed their blood. They're the ones that gave their lives. The truth is, is that I have pastored in several military communities, and our military people have a great passion for protecting this country. They have, they have a great desire to make sure our freedom is maintained, and they have taken an oath to lay down their life if they are called on. You see, the truth is, throughout this country, probably many of you know people or know families who have given up some of their loved ones to protect this nation. And, and we look in their eyes, we see the hurt, we see the pain, we even see the emptiness that they've endured. It's, huge, it's a huge part of our freedom, and we shouldn't forget it. However, let us not become so enamored with our civic freedom, which is temporary, that we forget our spiritual freedom, which is eternal. You see, therefore, it begins. Therefore, we look back at those who have gone before us. Now, what is it talking about in the context of this scripture? Chapter 11 of Hebrews gives us space hall of fame. Were I to go back and were I to read chapter 11 to you, we would read names like Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Moses and Rahab and Gideon and Barak and, and Samson and David and Samuel and even more. Then we get to the New Testament and we'll read some of the names of the apostles and even how about the forerunners of the deacons, Stephen and people like that. But today, folks, as you look back, I want you to look back. Is there someone in your life who was a spiritual hero for you? Someone in your life that you thought, man, they must really love God. I, I could tell you several that, that have gone on to glory now and, and were my heroes. It could have been your dad. It could have been your mom. It could have been your granddad. It could have been your grandmother or aunt or an uncle or just a friend, but somebody that you look back to and you recall their life. And as you recall their life, you remember how much they love the Lord. According to our text, the influence of those we look back on and possibly the attention of those who have gone before us, giving them our attention serves as our motivation. Are you listening? To get this right. I hate to say that I don't think we're getting it right in the 21st century America, but, but we need to get it right. If we never look back to see how we got to where we are, we will never regain the passion. We'll never re regain the spiritualness. We will never regain the motivation of the believers of old. We need to witness once again the life of faith. We need to... Witness once again their life of faith. We need to relive their passion. We need to rekindle their love. And we need to regain their heart and allow it to burn deeply into our souls. By the way, when you look back, there's going to be some disturbing things. When you look back, 
And not only going to have those that are KIA, killed in action, you're going to have those that are MIA, missing in action. Missing in action. That means in the middle of a war, you think of a war like the United States in World War II or Iraq or Vietnam. But in the middle of the action, they come up missing. Now, MIA is the worst designation a family can have. Because that means there's no closure. You don't know what happened. What'd they do? And there are only three common possibilities when somebody's missing in action. Either they have been detained by the enemy, become a prisoner, or they have deserted of their own volition. Now they may not have been a betra- they may not have been a traitor and gone to the other side. They may have just decided that because the battle was so intense that they were going to go to a neutral place and kind of lay low until the battle was over. Or the third possibility, sadly, is that they are discovered killed, and so they move from MIA to KIA. When you consider those possibilities of being taken over by the enemy and detained, or deserting, or dead. We should remember that we are soldiers of the cross. I don't want to be a soldier. You didn't get a, you didn't get a choice, except when you, because when you receive Jesus as your personal Savior, you become one of his soldiers. One of you soldiers, I want you to think about it, can be captured and detained by the evil one if they don't walk close enough to the commander. There are those today who have been captured. There are those today spiritually who have deserted. Now, for goodness sakes, don't raise your hand, don't give me a name, but I bet you know somebody that used to be sold out to the Lord, even a part of this fellowship. And today they've kind of deserted because they don't really need what God has to offer anymore. They've decided to make their own way. They don't lay low till the battle's over. And then there are some of those who decided just to stick with it. I guess some of those are here today. But here's what I want to tell you. When we look back and remember all these folks, it reminds us that Jesus wants us both in service and in action, no matter what. Jesus wants us in service and in action, no matter what. You look backwards. I'm going to give you one other place to look back here. It's the cross. You look back at Jesus. Therefore, we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. You look back, you see all the wonderful people that went before you, but there's none more wonderful than the Lord Jesus. Because Jesus is the one that left heaven. He emptied himself of everything that was God. He came to earth, and he willingly gave his life for you and me. And now he offers us life. Because not only did they put him in the ground and they bury him and everything, and everything that, that is our sin buried with him and he rose from the grave so that we could be set free and have abundant life and eternal life. 
let us not forget to look backwards. But as you traverse this verse, let us not forget to look inward. Inward. He says, the scripture says, since we've been surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, that's backwards, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily, did you get that? Easily ensnares us. Weight and sin. They are synonymous. This means that if you have sin in your life, it will weigh you down. If you have sin in your life, you'll find every kind of reason in the world not to attend corporate worship. If you have sin in your life, you'll have every reason in the world not to speak about your faith to somebody else. If you're a part of the kingdom and you have sin in your life, it will weigh you down. You know what you'll find? You'll lose your joy. You'll find that when you come, that when you come to worship, you've got the old molly grubs. Because you lose your joy. I mean, if you want a parallel, try this. Try going into battle in the military and carrying 200 extra pounds on your back that you don't need. Would you do that? No. Or how about going into a boxing match and getting those gloves that weigh 100 pounds apiece? Nicole, if I'm able to land that on you, it's going to hurt. But chances are I'm not going to get that 100-pound glove because I'm so weighed down. Or how about how about this picture? How about David when he's going to fight Goliath, the giant? And Saul says, here, David, you've got to have this armor. And so Saul tries to put the kingly armor on the little shepherd boy. And he goes, I can't move. I'm dead. And so he takes it off and he gets what the Lord gives him. And he defeats Goliath. You know what the truth is? Until... You take off your sin, and until you put it off, put it down, put it away, put it to death, it's going to weigh you down. You Listen, guys, you will never have spiritual victory. You will never have lifelong victory. You will never live up to what God wants you to live and enjoy in this world as long as you have habitual and ongoing sin in your life. And we get sin in our lives, and we go, it's somebody else's fault. Is anybody, anybody in here, brothers and sisters, moms and dads, has anybody ever here played this game? It's called the blame game. Oh, are y'all asleep? Is y'all going to the land of Nod already? Have you ever played the blame game? If you have, don't feel bad because you know where it originated? It originated in the Garden of Eden because they ate the fruit and God came down and he goes, Adam, what have you done? And then watch this, don't you like this? He goes, this woman that you gave me, this woman that you gave me, I'm not even going to ride that horse because Deborah's here, so I'll leave that alone. This woman that you gave me, the blame game started back there. You see, folks, it may be a popular game in our culture, but the blame game often speaks of being deceived. And more to the point, it speaks of being self-deceived. 
Oh, preacher, I'm okay. I wish I had a dime for every time I heard that statement. Oh, preacher, I'm okay. And I always just want to say, with who? You okay with yourself? Or are you really okay with the Lord? If you were to stand before God right now, He said, okay, why do you think I should let you into my heaven? What would you say? I went to church on Sunday morning, Memorial Day. I get some stars in my crown and brownie points for that. That's good. That's fine. It should be a part of uh, the life of a believer. But it's not going to get you into heaven. You see, the, the, the truth is, the truth is, is that being self-deceived is spoken of often in the Bible. If you just go in the New Testament... In Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Thessalonians, Timothy, James, John, they all talk about self-deception. I repeated this first hour. I'm going to repeat it again. Self-deception is a clear and present danger in the life of a Christ follower. I repeated it that first time, so I'm going to say it again. Self-deception is a clear and present danger in the life of a Christ follower. The truth is, is that when we refuse to look inside, we do, in essence, refuse to see the weight of our sin which obstructs our way to Jesus and it hinders our walk with Christ. You see, Jesus died to give you and me life to the fullest. That's called life more abundantly. It requires forgiveness of sin. We don't look inside. We don't ever see our sin. If we never see our sin, we will never ask for forgiveness from Christ. If we never look inside, if we never see our sin, we never ask for forgiveness from Christ. Listen, on the authority of this book, if you don't do those things, you will never be saved. And if you're not ever saved, you go to a place that you never want to go. Let us look inward. Let us never forget to look inward. The scripture continues. It says, let us never forget to look backwards. Let us never forget to look inward, but let us never forget to look forward. Forward. Therefore, since we, have, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us backwards, let us lay aside every weight and hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us inward. And here it is. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. Let us run with endurance. The only way you're gonna, the only way you're gonna win a race is you're gonna keep looking forward. The Bible tells us to look, to look backwards, to look inwards, and now it tells us to look forwards and run the race. Let us run the race. Let us run it. Let us run it. Let us run it. Let us not walk. Let us not trot. Let us not amble along. Let us not do something else. Let's run. We have some runners. We have some runners. In fact, I know from Facebook that these runners know what to do. 
we have some young runners. And then we have some runners that are not so young. Right, Lauren? The truth is, the truth is, God doesn't tell us to run and lose, run to lose. In fact, 1 Corinthians 19 says us, tells us that everybody trains and, and you should run in a way to win. Let us run. And do you know where it says, uh, man, I hadn't even thought about this to this minute. You didn't hear this first hour, so you listen. Something new for you. It says, when it says, forgetting those things are behind, I press on toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of Jesus. You know what that means when it says I press on? It literally, you don't like this, Macy, it's literally a picture of a runner running a race, and he's straining and he's leaning to try to get to the tape before the competitor does. Let us look forward. Let us keep our eye forward. Let us watch forward. You know, you don't, these gals and guys that run, they don't put on a lot of heavy clothes to run a race. They get the lightest shorts, the lightest shirts, the lightest shoes, the lightest socks that they can because they want nothing to slow them down. In fact, when I was in school, we, and y'all, y'all may not do this type of training anymore, we bought ankle weights. Do y'all still use ankle weights? Nope. We bought ankle weights. And we'd, buy, we'd, run, an ankle, we'd run the track in ankle weights. And uh, they weren't real heavy, but it helped build our legs. And so, in theory, when we took them off, we were quicker and faster and could move better. But we would have never carried the ankle weights to a real race. It's dumb. So let's lay aside the weight of our sin. If you hold on to your past sin, you're going to be taken enemy. You're going to be taken by the enemy who's going to continue to encourage you to live in and focus on the sin and be deceived. But when you put your eyes on Jesus, when you're looking forward, when you're running to win, things change. Scripture says, eyes have not seen nor ear heard nor has anything entered into the heart of man of all that God has planned. And we can't do that if we're hindered with the weight of sin. One, run the race with your eye on the finish line. You know why people get off track is they get unfocused on the finish line. I read a story that those young kids were running and they were running to win the race. They were running the race and a butterfly crossed the path. And they got to chasing the butterfly instead of running the race. It was a zoo. You see, we have to keep our eyes on the finish line. It's an old story. You may have heard it, but it's a, uh, it's a story that uh, illustrates this perfectly. Granddaddy had his three grandsons out in the field. And he got them down, uh, on the other end of the row, and he's standing down here. And Todd, you'll, this will tell you how long ago it was. He had a $5 bill in his hand. Today, to motivate some of these guys, it had to be at least 20 okay? But it's a $5 bill. And he said, boys... Whoever can walk the straightest line to me gets the $5 bill. Well, the first boy was going to outsmart everybody, so he watched his feet. And pretty soon he was off track. The second boy, he watched the path. 
Pretty soon he was off track. The third boy, he put his eyes on his granddad and walked straight to him. Because we go toward whatever we're looking at. It reminds me of the Old Testament story where the, the serpents came out and bit all the Israelites. And he hung that snake up. It's a forerunner of our medical sign today. And when they looked on the sign, they were healed. You see, folks, wherever you're looking is where you're headed. When I think of looking like that, when I think of those boys and, 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 and how they were looking at their feet, there's nothing wrong with looking at your feet, the path, but the way to finish the race was look at the end, look at the granddad. That brings us to number four. He not only calls us to look backwards and inwards and forward, but then he calls us to look upward. He says, keeping your eyes on Jesus. Now, why do you keep your eye on Jesus? Because he's the source. That means he's the beginning, the starting point. And he's the perfecter. That means he's, a, that means he's the completer and the finisher of our faith. Just as those boys look there, we have to keep our eyes on Jesus. You know what that means? It means everything starts with him. It means everything is lived out with him. And it means that one day everything is going to be finished with him because it is all about him. One of our problems in America, we've had it so good for so long because so many died to give us so much, is that we've had it so good that we think we can do it on our own. We think we got this. And yet he offers us the best that we can imagine. And it is only when we look at him that we follow in that straight path. And if we never look to him, we will never live for him. He calls. We respond. He convicts. We surrender. He invites. We accept. The first call of Jesus when you look at him is to be saved. His call in Scripture, when he came on the scene, you know what Jesus preached? Not popular day. He preached. One word, repent. 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 Now, we don't want to hear that because repentance is turning from what we're doing and turning to him. And I'll just tell you, the picture in the Bible tells us that we can't face our sin and face the Lord at the same time. We can't look unto our sin and look unto Jesus at the same time. They're diametrically opposed. It's a, it's a spiritual and physical impossibility. His first message his spiritual message, his last message will be repent. I believe he extends his nail scarf's hands to us and he goes, look, see these? These are for you. I paid the price for you. So please repent. Please come to me. Please let me save you. And at that point, for every person... You have two choices. It's not a menu selection. You have two choices. You either receive his gift or you reject his gift. I want to say that again. You receive his gift or you reject his gift. We look up to him. We receive his invitation. We receive abundant life. We receive forgiveness. We receive eternal life beyond the grave. Or... We reject all he has to offer. We reject his words. We reject his sacrifice. We reject his blood. 
We reject his help. And then we spend an eternity in a place the Bible calls hell. Growing up, I heard preachers shout and scream about going to hell. I may have been one of those at a time, but, but I'll say this to you, whether I'm shouting and screaming it or whispering it, the truth is the truth. People outside of Christ, they don't get another chance beyond the grave. They don't get another chance uh, when they close their eyes or if he comes back. Sadly, they will spend eternity in a place called hell. And just to be clear, heaven and hell have this similarity. They're both eternal. Heaven offers you eternal life. Hell offers you eternal death. I think the Lord kind of gave me a picture many years ago about this thing of eternal death. Have you ever had, and I, I don't want to stir up horrible emotions, but years ago, let me say it this way, years ago I had a, I had a, a loved one. My wife, my friend, my, my best friend's wife. She caught cancer, a beautiful woman in her late 30s. And she fought it hard. And it finally came to the place that Roy, my friend, and I talked about it. And we were praying for God to take her. She wasn't going to get better in this body. She needed the release and freedom of going to heaven. We knew where she was going. And as I watched Barbara, I thought, that's got to be kind of what hell is like. Not really in one world, not really in another world, but just hanging on. Miserable where you are. You see, folks, it's true hell is hot. It's true hell is forever. It's true that hell is a place of punishment. I've had arrogant people to go, if I'm going to hell, preacher, I'm going to have a lot of company, so we'll have a party. No, hell's not a party. It's a place of punishment. And you see, the love of God will not ever be felt ever again in hell. I want you to imagine a place that's already hot, Already punishing hot. The boy said, I am tormented into flames. And then for it to be eternally away from the love of God. By the way, I kind of said this first hour. It may well be that next week our message will be things found in hell that belong in the church. You see, hell is that place that, that's not a party. It's punishment. And the only escape from hell is to never go. And the only way to never go is to invite Jesus into your life, repent of your sin, and follow him. 
All of those are important. It's more than a prayer. But it is, starts with a prayer. Follow him. Look upward to Jesus. So our scriptures unpack this way. Let us look backwards. Let us look inward. Let us look forward. Let us look upward. And that last one I find here is let us never forget to look downward. Why in the world, Brother Jerry, look down? What in the world? Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. Watch this. For the joy set before him. What was that joy? That was you and me. It made him joyful that he would be able to save our souls by giving his life. For the joy that set before him, watch this. He endured the cross, despising the shame. Never forget that the cross was a cross of shame. And shame, by its very nature, causes us to look down. Whenever you're shamed, you'll look down. Again, sadly today, we've kind of lost the shame gene in our culture. There's so much immorality and perversion and sensuality that we find ourselves not being embarrassed or shamed or humiliated by the very things the Bible say is shameful. But here's what happens. Jesus died on the cross. We look back and we see the cross. And when we get our, our eyes full, our souls full, our hearts full of seeing Jesus on that cross of shame, our eyes will drop. And when our eyes will drop, you know what our eyes will see? The blood of Jesus. The innocent blood of Jesus. Jesus died not because he sinned, not because he should have. He died for you and for me. Paying the price for our sin. And when we know and when we realize that the innocent blood of Creator God's only Son. And we see that blood below the cross, and it's fresh blood. When we see it, that in a real picture, I, I will say this to you. It will cut. It cuts into my arrogance. It cuts into my ego. It cuts into my pride. And it brings me to my knees. Because one who was so holy gave what he didn't have to give so I could have what I didn't have, eternal life. I believe if you get that picture in your heart and your mind, I believe it will bring you to your knees. If it doesn't, I'm afraid that that the Spirit of God has no part in your life. If it doesn't impact you to see what Jesus did for you, if it never pricks your heart, what does that say about our ego and our pride? 
You see, folks, I don't want you to ever forget this. Innocent blood, let us never forget it, bought our freedom, both civically and spiritually. Jesus died, was raised again to give us new life. And today he's speaking. I bet he's speaking to your heart. And I bet he's calling you to himself. Because you see, Jesus calls. Today we have all these cell phones and when somebody calls us, we look at that number. If we don't recognize it, we don't take it. We look at it, don't take it. I'm really not that way. And my wife will tell you to the point of irritating her. If somebody calls me, I'm going to answer it. If Jesus is calling you, have you have you clicked off and refused calls so often that I don't recognize that number? What I want to say to you is Jesus calls you tenderly, consistently, and lovingly. Would you come to him today? Let me pray for us.